0: This is going to be hell to edit. It's fine. It's fine for you. I'm (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) All
1: right. Hello. Welcome to episode three of the On Writing and Fan Fiction Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jake.
0: And I'm Zoe.
1: And on episode three, we're going to be talking about the top half of that pyramid that we were jabbering around about last week.
0: Yeah, we managed to spend a whole hour on dialogue, formatting, punctuation, and spelling. We
1: talked for, like, actually 45 <laughs> minutes about, like, punctuation and shit. Like yeah. fucking dwee yeah. we are. Um, but today, we're talking about uh, some more macro stuff. We're going to be looking at cohesive story structure. Uh, the, f- the famous show, Don't Tell, mm-hmm. Maxim. And mm-hmm. uh, we're going to about incorporation of an overarching theme. So a bunch of, like, substantive stuff that... Uh, and once you sort of have spelling and punctuation and dialogue forming now, once you have the basics, you can start mm-hmm. to think. Um, you can start to think about the shit that you might incorporate in your writing. That's sort of behind the scenes stuff that you, the, your reader will have to read between the lines to see a little bit. Stuff that uh, really brings your writing to life.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, but before we get into that, um, I just want to remind everyone of our email account if you want to send us questions or comments we have an email at owffpod at gmail.com the um, we already have one message in there um thank you sarah for your defensive semicolons I'm gonna have to agree to disagree anyway she's but... on my side and uh please follow us on instagram at owff underscore podcast and, third thing, pop the champagne, because we're now on Apple Podcasts. So we're in the we big leagues now, in. boys. We finally made it to the big leagues, and you can Burn please in. please subscribe, if that's where you're listening, and rate and review. Please
1: give us great reviews so <sighs> we can appease our corporate overlords over at Apple. Yes, yes. We know Tim so. Cook himself was listening.
0: Probably not. Probably. All right. First thing on the on the list for today is what makes a story a story um jake what to you makes a story a story what, what are the um, minimum requirements
1: Minimum requirements well i mean the famous example is joseph campbell's the hero's journey right you sort of have mm. this circular checklist almost of, of things that needs to happen uh in order for your story to be uh you know locomotive for you in, in order for things to uh move at a, at a good pace for interesting things to come along at like a steady interval. But I, I think with me, as with, as with most people, I would imagine what really sells a story to me is characters because mm-hmm. people like reading human stories. They write, they like reading stories about the human condition or stories about plumbing the depths of really raw emotions or something like that, or, you know, it, or, or really complex feelings or characteristics or, you know, thoughts on a given situation. Mm-hmm. So what makes a story for a story for me, I guess, then is uh, the character development, which I, I feel is—I don't know if it's like a cop-out answer, but I think it's a very common answer.
0: Yeah, I would—I would say I would say something similar. I think for me, what I look for is throughout a story, has anything has anything about a character, you know, changed in a significant way.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So you know, a character has to you know will start in one place, but by the end of the story, they need to be in a different place. Yeah, um, for sure. And that can be, that can even be as simple as, like, a a physical place. You know, there are lots of really great stories about, you know, journeys from one location, physical location to another. Yeah. But, you know, that will almost always kind of accompany some sort of internal emotional change. Um, Yeah, exactly. And you can also have, of course, stories in which the physical location never changes, and the whole story is just about that internal emotional change.
1: For sure. Like you said, like, it can be as simple as as a physical relocation it can be you know it's more often than not it's about the internal it's about the struggle the character goes through but i i mean the most famous example of returning to where you started is lord of the rings like at the end samwise return, Gamgee return gamji sorry returns to the shire right mm-hmm. i mean frodo fucks off on a boat with Gandalf. well he's that's
0: like, that's that's a part of the hero cycle though yeah you know, exactly sort of a you little know, bit of a
1: yeah so classical just classical illusion for sure and it, so and the reason why that works is because like Sam mm-hmm. really isn't at the same place that yeah. he was when he started. The Shire yeah. isn't like the, it's the same geographical physical location, but mm-hmm. it's not. He has a, he has such a wider context for the world now. that yeah. he's experienced so many things. It, it's not the same place to him anymore. Yeah. Um, so even if you were even if you have a character that returns to the same physical place, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, it's it's more about the the internal journey that the character goes on.
0: Yeah when I write I like my the endings of my stories to kind of call back to the beginning so if mm-hmm. there's something the character you know we open the story and the character is struggling with that for sure I like you know there to be like a change in how they're handling that um, mm-hmm. by the end you know whether that's a positive or, or negative change
1: you know how that ties into cohesive story structure is the the story is more often than not I mean especially if you're if you're writing fiction like you know what we mostly talk about on this podcast is like the story is the character I'm not saying that like plot-driven stories aren't successful or anything, but often character-driven stories are the ones that are that really stick out in people's minds.
0: Because that's what people are relating to, right? Are your yeah. characters? It's hard for people to be um, invested in events if they're not invested in the people that are experiencing.
1: Yeah, the exactly. Like a, a character-driven story will be a, a story whose events are dictated by the actions that the characters take, whereas a plot-driven story is like the plot is a thing that exudes its influence on the characters. Mm-hmm. That's sort of the difference. So how you keep a story cohesive is you predicate it on the journey that I want these characters to go on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, that, and that looks really different a lot of the time. There's a YouTuber by the name of Super Patch Wolf that does a lot of critical analysis of like anime and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has a really great video on, you know, why Cowboy Bebop is so awesome and why you should watch it. Yeah. In, in it, he talks about how Spike, the main character, he, he's a character that's sort of gone through most of his development before the story even starts. We begin really in medias res with Spike's life. Like, he's gone, a lot of his development as a character has happened sort of prior to the curtains going up. You know what I mean? So, what that can mean for that character then is how that character deals with the fallout of, of that, you know what I mean? In Super Eyepatch Wolf's example, he talks about how Cowboy Bebop is a story about three people that cope with really crippling loneliness. So they don't actually go through a great deal of change or development as far as the story goes, but like it's still really compelling because you're seeing these developed fleshed out human characters struggling with something that's really human. So a, a character-driven story can take a lot of different forms.
0: Yeah, I've, I've talked to a lot of writers who like to say that they they struggle with writing plot in their stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and and honestly like this is a quite a modern trend I think in modern creative writing, but my creative writing teacher would like to say that trying to think about your story only in terms of plot is, is overrated because if you just think about you just think really hard about your characters and about how they would respond to different situations your plot will grow naturally mm-hmm. from yeah. that
1: because um, you'll you'll sort of intuit you know where the story needs to go based on how you think the characters will react to you know whatever mm-hmm. the last thing that happened to them is and that's why if you have a really firm grasp of you know what your characters are like what they want what their motivations are a story it can come really easily to
0: yeah, um, I love, I love, my, one of my favorite things is when I can really get into that sort of flow state mm-hmm. and just type out, like, all at once a scene or, or I think I've written, yeah, I've written whole stories in just one evening and a couple hours. For sure. You know, I have this flash of inspiration and I can just see it all right there. I can write the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really exciting when you can do that just because you can get so... You know, engaged in your uh, in your own work, and you can feel like you're really communicating what you want to communicate. Yeah, for
1: sure. The creative juices are flowing, right? Yeah. Um, so, I, I guess the, the next question is, how do you keep a story cohesive? Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: So, well, I was uh, the way I was going to phrase it was I was going to say that um, what drives the story forward. So you have your characters, um, and that's like that's what your story is based on is based on your characters. But you know, what drives it forward is conflict or like an issue that, that has to be resolved. I think what, I had one writing challenge in college where we had to write a really short story like just a hundred words which is uh, harder than you think to oh, uh, create and resolve a, a conflict in just a hundred words um, and and our challenge was we had to establish a conflict in the very first sentence
2: um,
0: yeah so that was the challenge and I think if you're writing if you're writing a flash fiction just a hundred words I, I think like you really have to establish that conflict in the very oh, yeah. first sentence because you just have so little space so I think the way I decided to handle that is I opened my story with um, a character lying in, lying in bed and thinking about how the shadows cast in her bedroom by the blinds from the street light looked like uh, prison bars. Oh, wow. And I tried to use that to like establish the conflict of the 100-word story, which is that she felt trapped in this in this relationship. <laughs>
1: It gets you thinking about some of the most compelling opening lines in literature. The one I always think of is The Dark Tower by Stephen King. It's the first line Mm. of that entire series is, The man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed. It establishes tone. It establishes Mm -hmm. setting. Mm -hmm. what's happening what both characters motivations are in a sentence another great one is the metamorphosis by kafka as gregor samsa awoke one morning from uneasy dreams he found Mm -hmm. himself transformed in his bed into a monstrous vermin you know yeah it's like right at the end there's a twist like oh shit i didn't expect that
0: and and we're talking about like quite serious themes here but you know in, in fan fiction a big a big theme is like writing stuff that's just happy and sure and you can have conflict actually in happy stories and that will make your story more compelling um, mm-hmm. if you manage to like fit a little bit of conflict it doesn't have to be, you know, dark conflict into a happy story, you know, if you have a problem that your character has to deal with in the story, even if it's, you know, how do I plan a surprise party, that will really make your story feel like a story. It'll, it'll give the characters motivations. It'll when the readers read it, there's a goal that they're working towards when they're reading the
1: story yeah the uh, i think the key here then is how you compose a cohesive story structure is you need uh, a through line if the thing that the characters are trying to achieve is a single tree then all the things that happen around it are its bridges you know mm-hmm. you have the, how the characters respond to it you know like where it takes them and all that is sort of wound indelibly about this one element of the story i mean but it doesn't you know it doesn't begin and end there like keeping track of that can be really difficult so yeah i I, I know some authors eschew outlines i I think stephen king appropriately for this podcast said outlines are for cowards (laughs) i don't know how you're what are your feelings on that
0: uh i like uh i guess i don't outline so much as summarize sure my quote outlines look like just paragraphs in which I just say in very plain terms, this character does this and then this happens and then this happens and, this, and then this happens. Mm-hmm. And then by the end they make this decision. I usually end, end you know an outline section with that. Like, where do I want the scene to end? Um, then I can kind of like build backwards on it. I mean, I think outlining can be helpful, especially when, especially if you're just starting out. Mm-hmm. Because it can help you keep track of you know where you're beginning and where you're ending I think a problem you can sometimes see in uh, some in, in rough drafts is is you end up resolving a conflict that you did not set up at the beginning so you set up one conflict but then you resolve a different one right and that can make your story feel quite not so cohesive
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, I think outlines can help you if you're having trouble holding that together um, outlines can be helpful for that also I think outlines can be really helpful if you are trying to juggle multiple b plots right if you have a main conflict but then you have you know a secondary conflict that's kind of being worked through at the same time especially if you're trying to you know do the you know work through two conflicts like in the with within the same story and with the same characters I think outlines can be really helpful for saying well in this scene. Conflict A is going to progress in this way, and conflict B is going to progress in this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think outlines can be really helpful for that, you know, and and keeping all those threads together and making sure you don't lose any along the way. Yeah. Um, especially for long pieces, I think you can start to lose track of.
1: And all your threads especially so if you're uh, if you're doing a lot of world building like if you're building mm-hmm. a fantasy world or a sci-fi world or something like that then mm-hmm. then an outline may help you a lot and that's the thing i think the the best takeaway to take away from this is that it, it's different for everyone you know much like your writing style is is wholly unique you'll also come to find that like an outline may or may not work for you I wrote the entire first draft of the manuscript completely on outline, just like flying by the seat of my pants, seeing where it took me. And there were internal inconsistencies. There were plot lines that like really didn't go anywhere. I, I started writing from like a different point in the story about halfway through. I, I was conceptualizing other characters as I was writing, but by that point I had already reached a point in the story where those characters would have been introduced. So I mm-hmm. just wrote, the chapter that I was on as if those characters had been introduced already. So there were Mm -hmm. like new characters that were mentioned by name that weren't in any other chapter other than like the eighth one. So that was sort of the nature of, of writing it off the cuff. And then when I did a second draft and I outlined it, it ended up coming a lot more naturally, a lot more fluidly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Here, maybe, maybe um here's the advice we should go with is that like, don't outline for your first draft um, mm-hmm. so that you can, because outlining can cause you to overthink things, I yeah. think. And if you, sometimes if you don't write an idea down, you forget it.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
0: So it, it might be worth trying writing off the cuff for as a first draft, but keeping in mind, like when you go back, taking all those ideas and kind of putting them in an outline and organizing them and making sure that you have a proper setup, a proper, development period and an ending
1: an execution and all that yeah yeah and, and as you're writing you know as you're thinking about what needs to happen what this character needs to do to get to this point etc yeah new conflicts and new elements of the story will appear to you and then yeah you're like, yeah. oh okay that, that that's something that i think i would like to explore so that will yeah. that will end up in the second draft. Yeah, so something um, that
0: happens to me a lot is that like I reach the ending or close to the ending of a story and I will ha- and I will like I will know what characters I want to be at the end mm-hmm. and then I'll realize, "Oh, it'll be really cool though if those characters were also at the beginning so we can see how the way they interact has changed throughout yeah. the story." So then I can go back with my outline and add those characters back into the beginning. And then the ending becomes that much more effective because I don't know. Would you agree that you don't really want to be introducing new characters towards the end?
1: Yeah. As with all rules in writing, there are exceptions abound. Like, I'm sure it can be done and has Mm -hmm. been done, but Mm -hmm. typically speaking, you don't want to be introducing characters like three-fourths through the way of your book. Unless they throw away characters that are just sort of there for a singular purpose. And even if that's the case, you still need to know enough about that character as the person writing them to make them feel real. Even if not a lot of that is going to make it onto the page. Yeah, I mean,
0: I mean, I love identity reveals towards sure. the end, but that you know, but like Th- that's
1: we, a little different. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but we but we know that character you know throughout the story, even if we don't know their identity.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, coming away from this, if you're thinking about writing a really long story or you know writing anything, try both. Try writing with and without an outline, and see what comes more naturally to you.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, that's the sort of thing that your own writerly intuition will be able to in- yeah. instruct you better on than anyone else can.
0: This is something to think about when you write something just off the cuff and, and you're wondering, um, or you read something and you're wondering, well, is that really a story? Like, This doesn't feel complete to me, it doesn't feel right to me. Um, you know, you can go back and look and look critically and, and try and figure out, okay, do the characters feel uh, real and relatable to me? And is there a conflict that they're dealing with? Is there a problem? Yeah. And if you have those two things, then I would say you probably have a, a, a story or at least the, the, the bare bones of one, even if it might not be as, as fleshed out as you imagine. Right. All right. So uh, the next thing, the next uh, element of the pyramid after that long rambling discussion about what makes a story. just what all of our
2: discussions are, I think
0: the next uh level up is is this thing that you've probably heard a lot if you have done any writing at all is is show don't tell and this can start to sound like just extremely overused but the unfortunate part is that it
1: is true it is super true
0: um showing and not telling is really good advice and uh you know, it's something you should keep an eye out for when you're writing or when you're reading your drafts. Is like, am I showing this or am I just
1: telling? I guess, I I guess to start, how do we better contextualize that? And a great way it was explained to me was we were told show don't tell. But when I was learning how to write and study poetry, I was told to enact don't show. So I think a a common problem that a lot of new writers do, and and even I still do, is say you have like your POV character, you're writing from from John's perspective, whoever the fuck mm-hmm. John is, and you'll say, uh, "John, John picked up the glass and watched the he watched the light reflect through the, the the crystal glassware or whatever the fuck." Instead of all that, just describe the glass itself. You know, your reader already knows that it's in John's perspective. Yeah. So yeah. they don't really need that reiteration of him picking up the glass. What you're doing essentially is you're you're just creating images on the page. You don't want to you don't want to show a picture to your reader. You want to you want to place them in the painting.
0: Yeah, that's such a good way of putting it. I think if you're writing from a character's perspective, you don't have to say over and over again, like he watched or she watched or yeah. they watched. Like if you're in their perspective, we know they're watching.
1: So our, our next episode is going to be all about poetry, which I'm very excited for. Um, I know, I'm going to
0: get a reading list.
1: I promise if anyone heard me say that and was like, oh, I promise it's going to be fun. But anyway. My One of my favorite poems of, of all time is by Peter Redgrove. It's titled, Who's Your Daddy? This was the poem that sort of cemented for me what show, don't tell looked like. The last three lines of this poem, this poem talks, its principal image is a battleship that's like frozen in the middle of a, of a snowy field. And the last three lines of this poem are, It is the sledge made of dead men's nails, the glittering horse of scythes, the refrigerator of snowy carcasses. I want to tug on the thread of the glittering horse of scythes. The first time I heard that line, I marked out so fucking hard because, like, the image that that conjures is Mm -hmm. is fucking insane. Like, it's there's this horse made of scythes. It's got these, like, angular glittering legs that are like piercing through ice with every clanking chiming step that it takes in the middle of this gilded field it's yeah
0: what stands out to me most in that line and what makes it more most effective to me is the the dynamicism contained kind of in every word yeah of that line so horses that's a when you think of a horse you think of movement and you think of a horse running you know Mm -hmm. and when you think of scythes you think of them you think of movement too you know sweeping yeah scythe is something that's you know really closely associated with a a specific action Mm -hmm. and then um, also um, we have the word glittering and the uh, image of the metal of the scythe Mm -hmm. um, just adding to that picture and you can have just in a phrase that just seems like a string of nouns, uh, a really complete picture and a dynamic one yeah. and an engaging one. Yeah, no, that's, and that's, that's an... kind of the magic of, of that line.
1: Yeah, for sure. No, that's an excellent point. And, and the other thing, too, is like, as you said, sides are uh, associated with a very specific type of movement. They're also mm-hmm. associated with the concept of death. Mm-hmm. By mentioning sides, you also, in this context, you also sort of capture this, really Mm -hmm. morbid tone and all that line is the reason why i bring it up is all that line is is the image it's the glittering horse of sides it's five words Mm -hmm. it's all it had to be it's just the image and it conjures this this thing that's so distinct and so arresting of an image you know what i mean so that is what show don't tell is yeah
0: You know, a way to apply this to your own writing, and this is something that I do a lot when I'm rereading my writing, is that when I'm editing my my writing closely, is whenever I I see a a noun, a general noun, I think, can I make that more specific? I always think about whether I can replace a word with something more specific. You know, if a character is sipping a drink, what are they drinking? And that's just Mm -hmm. one word. You know, you don't have to belabor the point that they're drinking you know, whatever they are, but just that one more piece of information will inform more about their character. So, you know, we have, have a character sip a drink, but if we, if you say that character is sipping gin and tonic, now, you know, this is what that character likes. Mm -hmm. And maybe that in the context of the story is valuable information. It's always good to um, try and figure out how to give the most amount of information to your reader in the least amount of
2: words. Yeah.
0: And using specific terms for things rather than general terms for things is one of the best ways to do that because then like all this information will be delivered to your reader almost unconsciously. Exactly. And then, you know, sort of magically they'll be reading and have this super clear picture in their head of what you're talking about. Mm Mm-hmm. And they'll just be amazed at how vivid this picture is that you're giving them
1: yeah Um, specificity is sort of the key to show don't tell and i think you used a great word earlier in describing this is like you don't want to belabor any points so it's mm -hmm. like you sort of have to strike a balance between what needs specificity and what doesn't but there's a way to be both specific and general right you know be be specific in describing maybe objects around a room or objects in your character's yeah. possession. But don't yeah. be so specific as to dedicate, like, a paragraph to, like, a, a, a carpet or something. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah. There, I mean, you have to decide in your story what's important to describe and what isn't. Usually the the way you come to those answers is, if I describe this, is it going to give more information about my characters? Sometimes, you know, writers go on and on about things like hair color. Hair color almost never gives you more information about a yeah. character uh, than just a very surface level. But if you talk about like what color, you know, a character's sheets are, or like how neat their room is, or what's in their wardrobe, like all of those things give a ton of information about a character. Yeah. And those could be worth describing in detail, whereas a character's hair color is often not worth describing
1: mm-hmm. you yeah, like maybe once. maybe a, maybe a character like dresses really anachronistically like maybe mm-hmm. you're you're writing a story that's like in a far-flung future but there's a character who dresses like a cowboy or something you know mm-hmm. what i mean like that says a lot mm-hmm. about them
0: yeah yeah and also like if a character has a favorite place like a bar or a restaurant yeah. or you know a park that would be worth describing because the nature of that location and the fact that your character enjoys being there informs our understanding mm-hmm. of that character
1: and, and a further caveat is like what's in their favorite park that warrants describing what in this specific location is what ties it to the character and that's what mm-hmm. you want to describe
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: in like you know vivid protracted detail i
0: mean yeah and then suddenly you have shown and not told when you could say you know x character liked quiet but you could show that by saying x character likes to spend time in the library and they Mm -hmm. have this specific corner that they like to sit in or like a chair that they like that's near, you know, this section of the library. And then we have all this information about like what the character enjoys and what motivates them Mm -hmm. without you having to say this character likes quiet time alone and they like reading books about astronomy. Yeah, but you can show all that by um, describing the library. You know where they like to go and the mm-hmm. place where they like to sit.
1: Yeah, like maybe um, there's someone sitting in there already, and your character mm-hmm. sort of kind of has like a panic attack. And you go, oh, mm-hmm. well, what am I gonna do?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and then there's your conflict, and then you can have a whole story. So you yeah. just um, yeah, boom,
1: there you go. That's forty yeah. people. That's all yeah. yours. All right, you, you do you want to move on to the tip of the pyramid? You think? Yeah, yeah, I think. All so right. Think we're
0: ready to move on to. Uh, the Third, fourth thing?
1: I'm not sure. Third, third this episode, but fifth and final in total. Yeah. this according, is the, According yeah. to you, this is the most, <laughs> this is like the last sort of most important thing.
0: Yeah. So there's a reason. So this is um, on, on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, mm-hmm. This is the self-actualization piece. And it's the thing that you can worry about once everything, every other requirement has been satisfied. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of in this context, it's the thing you think about once you have a good handle on everything else below it the reason it's at the top and you don't want to start by having a deeper theme is because i think what happens when you start writing a story just based on like this big broad idea that you have this theme like i want to write about loneliness i think that's a way to write a very dry very vague story
2: Mm
0: -hmm. i mean you can write an essay like an academic style essay about loneliness but Mm -hmm. To write a story about loneliness you really don't want to start by thinking about that you want to start by thinking about a character and a problem yeah and that will make an engaging story and then once you have the specific kinks of the plot and the conflict worked out then you can uh go back and see have i made the deeper point that i uh, was trying to make. Mm -hmm. And also, um, having a deeper point isn't a requirement for starting a story. Like I I never want to give that impression. You know, like we just talked about, there are so many other things that can go into a story that's not like this big, deep revelation. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something maybe you don't find until you finish a story and then you realize, oh, that's, that's what this is really about.
2: Yeah.
0: I wrote a whole story once thinking it was about one thing and then you know coming to the end and realizing that the the deeper point was actually different and so then you know i went back and made small adjustments and added a few scenes mm-hmm. to solidify that deeper point but yeah. i didn't write the whole story with that in mind and i think and i'm glad i didn't because i think that allowed me to be more focused on on the
1: characters for sure it, it, yeah and i'm and I'm glad you brought up loneliness because like a great way to talk about that again is you know we talked about we talked earlier about cowboy bebop like cowboy bebop isn't a story about loneliness it's a story about characters dealing with loneliness that's Mm -hmm. why it's compelling the way that you explore a theme in a a compelling way is you you Mm -hmm. tease out how characters come to grips with that right Mm -hmm. because that the exploration of that theme will become apparent through their their interaction with it like for example like in my In the story that I'm writing, the principal overarching theme is simply just violence. You know, Mm -hmm. it's about the modern conception of violence. It's about how we we impose this this idea that there is that there's an inherent morality to violence, that that it's an act that is that is inherently moral or immoral.
2: Mm -hmm. Whereas
1: more accurately, it's violence is amoral and the context that surrounds Mm -hmm. its, you know, its use as a solution to a problem is what makes it moral or immoral. That's the main theme. Right, mm-hmm. but if I was writing a story about like violence is context derivative, that's fucking lame and boring.
0: Well, that's well, that's that's just a different genre. That's yeah, it, not yeah. a story.
1: That's an, an academic essay. Yeah, exactly. The way you explore that then is you have characters that interact with violence in really different ways. You mm-hmm. have characters that see it as a as a tool of justice or something, or, or uh, characters that see it as a means to an end, or characters that see it as as something that is inherently moral in some way, right? So mm-hmm. the, the, the way that you explore those themes is, as with most things, you know, character-driven. Uh, what, what do you think? What are your experience, experiences with uh, exploring themes in your writing? Like, what are the kinds of themes that you like to explore?
0: I think that the kinds of themes that I've explored in my writing have definitely... That's something that's probably changed the most uh, as I've kind of grown as a writer. Mm-hmm. I think back in college when I dated a lot more I explored a lot of themes you know pertaining to relationships I wrote lots of stories based on my relationships you know names and situations changed sure I still write about that to some extent but I think lately um just because you know of all the transitions I've gone through in my life lately you know having recently like graduated from college and like started a real job Mm -hmm. and like you know, suddenly facing my life as a capital A adult, you know, <laughs> stretching out before me. Yeah. Thinking about my years of college and being a kid as officially behind me. I think I write a lot now about those transitions in, in life. Characters and, in interstitial yeah. points in their lives. Yeah. And the and the realization that what you thought was an end isn't actually an
1: end it's just the beginning of something else it's
0: it's the beginning of something else and that's super cheesy to say right but Mm -hmm. that's what over overarching themes usually are really cheesy to say yeah they're Uh, they're often
1: they're often aphorisms or or universal yeah like platitudes yeah platitudes exactly
0: but you know it's the story that that makes them interesting and i have surprised myself how many ways i can write a story with that same theme sure but they are all different they're all very different stories yeah kind of come to the same point I guess it's kind of where i am it's kind of reflective of where i am personally um because ultimately a lot of my writing is an exploration of the way i think about the world and and my thoughts even though they're about characters and not Mm -hmm. you know they're not autobiographical in any way
1: yeah what about you i really like writing uh stories with a lot of action in them so Mm -hmm. i write stories with you know a lot of fight scenes so the themes i tend to write are sort of adjacent to events that precipitate violence so they're often themes of fascism or Mm -hmm. violence directly you know stuff Mm -hmm. like that and you know thinking about it that's also probably reflective of where i am in life too over the course of a few years i've steadily become more and more political more politically aware just more aware of
0: the Mm -hmm. things
1: happening in our part of the world so my writing has has sort of become a, an expression of that and, I, and i'm sort of realizing that now like as i'm telling this to you it's like oh yeah, that, yeah. i guess that probably is why yeah yeah um, yeah but yeah no that, those are probably the themes i write about the most and it's like you said you know you don't need to set out to write this really you know deep yeah deep like, yeah th- this theme that like you know plumbs the depths of human emotion it's like yeah you know the themes we write about are loneliness or love or fascism or violence mm-hmm. like it's just it's mm-hmm. things you can summarize in a single word but it's like mm-hmm. what makes them deep and moving and emotionally compelling is how the characters is, interact with yeah, them yeah like is, is the characters
0: in exactly back
1: yeah. to
0: the beginning yeah so like when you start a story you know i would recommend thinking about things that interest you in general but without kind of analyzing them too hard and then you know using the characters and the conflict to explore that and then by the end you will probably have discovered the overarching theme that was kind of there under the surface in your thinking all along. Yeah. But if that's at the surface of your thinking from the beginning, what can happen is that you end up having characters just ruminating for paragraphs yep. about this theme when really they probably wouldn't be doing that. No, for sure. In real life unless that's, you know, a hallmark of their mm-hmm. of their characterization but it's, it's not very, you know, long paragraphs of characters ruminating on things is, is not, tends to not be super engaging. Yeah. You don't need to write like fast paced action scenes to engage your reader, but you know.
1: You don't want people pontificating for an entire
0: Yeah, page. yeah. You know, you can only to be or not to be for so long.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Um, <laughs> a theme is something that should be under the surface of yeah. of the story the whole time. And, and in my experience, is something that can be brought out in little ways after the fact and uh, as long as you have cohesive story structure already in there, the story will still hang together if you need to go back and and add or take away some things to bring out that overarching theme after you've written the whole story and then finally found that theme.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I really like the idea of finding a theme because A question that I wonder if we're going to get a lot as people are listening to this is, like, if I'm not thinking about this directly, then how do I worry about it? And the thing is, is, like, a lot of that is going to be intuitive and subconscious. The ways Mm -hmm. that you think your politics, the way you view the world, Mm -hmm. are going to subconsciously inform your writing. And as you look at your writing objectively, Mm -hmm. uh, you'll be able to see the ways in which it has informed it. So you'll be able to pull it apart and say like, these are the the themes I have subconsciously imbued my story with. How do I tease these out more? How do I draw Mm -hmm. them out? How do I explore them in in interesting ways? So as you're writing at whatever point you become aware of it, those themes will be in there. And Mm -hmm. the the editing process, the process of making another draft, is the, the process of refining those themes and crystallizing them.
0: Yeah, so writing writing can always be, in that way, a really, really fun and interesting journey of, of sort of self-discovery,
1: Yeah, almost.
2: totally.
0: And it's really interesting to think and go back and, and reflect on your old writing and think about, like, wow, what were the themes that were most interesting to me five years ago or ten mm-hmm. years ago? I think, I'm, I'm just remembering right now, honestly, actually, like, a lot of the stories I wrote towards the beginning of college, again, it was the transition in my life, but it was more things around, you know, leaving the place you... Grew up in leaving you know growing apart from your family things that were obviously at the forefront of my mind back when I first started college mm-hmm. and how what I've written about has changed in the past five or six years
1: right yeah no that's that's super true writing is it's a great tool for picking apart your own brain
0: yeah and, yeah and
1: th- that'll come that'll become more apparent like the further away you get from the piece of writing
0: like, yeah that's where some of like the the, like the therapeutic benefits of writing come in because i think it can genuinely writing can like genuinely help you process
1: certain emotions and complex yeah feelings. yeah for certain sure. emotions
0: totally. and and feelings that you can't find a way to express in any other way mm-hmm. i think i've there's definitely been times when i've been just really upset or disturbed by something and taken those emotions and not the situation, just the emotions, and and written a story based on them, and that has really helped me. You know, forcing yourself to find that beginning, middle, and end.
2: Yeah,
0: it can be really helpful for me in finding closure for events when in real life there's a lot of times where you don't get that closure that you wish you had. But if you can take those feelings and write a story about them, then you can sort of find that for yourself. You know what yeah. I'm saying?
1: Yeah, no, I, I absolutely. Yeah. Cause it, you know, like we're talking about, like your subconscious will inform your writing a lot. So like a lot of the subconscious inclusion, uh, conclusions you'll have come to as you're grappling with complex emotions are, are going to make their way onto the page. And suddenly you'll have, you'll find that like, Oh, I've discovered how to formulate these thoughts. I've discovered how to put to words how I feel, and I did it Mm -hmm. sort of by complete accident.
0: Yeah. You know, writing is
1: fantastic for that.
0: Yeah, totally. I think that's one of my favorite parts. I don't think I'll ever stop writing.
1: Oh, no, neither will I. Writing is a lifetime commitment, for sure. Yeah.
0: I want to mention, I know we've talked about a lot about just really nitpicky writing things Mm -hmm. in the last few episodes, and our next episode will be, uh, again, very focused on writing and less and less on fan fiction but come episode 5 we'll finally get to the fan fiction part of this podcast. Yeah.
1: And I think I might hand the reins to you for that because I think yeah. you're a bit more informed as far as like fandom goes than yes. I am. Yes.
0: Compared to some I th- I have not been in fandom terribly long, but mm-hmm. I think I've been in fandom longer than you have.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I've
0: been in more fandoms than you have. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So I have a little bit of a reference point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I'm just as a preview to what's coming up. We're uh, going to start sprinkling in some of the fan fiction content as well as the writing content. Yeah, man. I'm starting episode five. So stay tuned for that.
1: But as of as of episode four, we're talking about stay one of tuned. my favorite things.
0: Yeah. So next week, next week. I don't know. Whatever the fuck not. this it's goes probably up. not next week. It's not going
1: to be next week. We have no <laughs> upload schedule.
0: Come episode four, we'll be talking about poetry.
1: Where I, I'm going to be, I'm going to spend Jake's, an hour. Jake's going to be talking I'm about gonna poetry. I'm going to spend an hour pretentiously stroking my dick about how much I love poetry <laughs> and how cool it is. Might um, have to cut that part. <laughs> nah, it's fine. We mark it as explicit. It's, it's fine. true. <laughs> um, but, you know, I said earlier that I, I, I will do my best to sell you on it if... Yeah, yeah, if, if, if and he'll also, he'll if also be
0: selling me on poetry a little bit. Yeah, I, for sure. I, I haven't well, read a ton of
1: poetry, and, and that's the thing, man. Like poetry isn't.
0: All right, you gotta I, we gotta we gotta save it for episode four. Okay,
1: it's I just I'm mean, i really <laughs> quick, I would, on like it. just as yeah, just as like a as a prelude to episode four because I I suspect that because it's about poetry, we'll have a, a lower listener turnout. I promise you want to check it out because. Until I got to college, I was in the same boat as I think a lot of other people, which was like, "Ugh, poetry! I don't give a fuck what that." But my professor was the first person to describe poetry to me in a way that made me want to write it. So I'm going to try and channel that. I'm mm-hmm. going to be zen as fuck. We're going to be. It's going to be. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about poetry. For yeah, an and we'll yeah chopping it up. It's going to be a good time. So I hope to. Uh, I hope to ingratiate you to, <laughs> to uh, a, a really fun art form that I that is. I think is imperative to learning how to be a good writer just with the tools that it imparts you. That's my cell. Check it out.
0: All right. Well, that sounds exciting. I'm going to remind everyone before we go of our Gmail and Instagram accounts. That's O-W-F-F pod at gmail.com and at O-W-F-F underscore podcast. Please. That's the best way to uh, reach us by emailing us or by commenting on our Instagram posts, our social media manager Kira is really good about responding to Instagram comments. Our fantastic we don't, social we media don't get a ton, so yeah, you're really so, likely to get a response. Yeah, so
1: if you, yeah, exactly. So whatever heinous questions you wish to field us, mm-hmm. take them to the Instagram.
0: Yeah. So uh, again, this podcast is produced and edited by us. Please subscribe wherever you listen. We are on a ton of platforms.
1: We're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Overcast, Radio Public, Breaker, and as of this episode, Apple Podcasts.
0: Yeah. So please subscribe wherever you're listening. and. If please. any of that
1: bullshit is your platform of choice,
0: yeah, and give please us a like rate. Please rate and review. That really helps us, as we have said, manipulate the algorithm. Yeah, man. And this week, uh, you should leave review making fun of how nerdy Jake gets about poetry. Oh, Wait, before we go, though, can I also say how like it's such a miracle that you have gone this entire episode without calling out a famous author. <laughs> I think this is a first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not holding out I'm not holding out hope for this trend to continue. I feel like <laughs> I feel like you're definitely gonna be adding someone on Twitter in the next
1: episode. I, 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 your no, favorite I, poet. I don't I do not have the fucking balls to do that.
0: Okay, I think there's a lot of cold open content. Yeah, there's here. a lot of
1: good stuff here. <laughs> okay,
0: bye everyone. Okay, bye.
1: Sorry, I just fucking spilled water all over myself. Good start. I can't. I don't know how to drink. It's a foreign concept to me. I'm bad at it.
0: You have a drinking Um, problem.
1: It's it's just it's just water right now.
0: No, no, but do you know the movie Airplane?
1: Uh the the Liam Neeson one. No. Okay, I don't know. Never seen Airplane. I don't know the movie Airplane.
0: You know, it's a it's an '80s movie. Oh, that's the that's the one with the fucking
1: famous like runway scene right yeah yeah. okay i know that scene i don't know the movie though
0: oh well so there's a there's a pilot and the joke is he has a drinking problem but that (laughs) means like whenever he brings a glass to his lips he spills it all over himself